What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mental Health Monday. Uh, you may notice it's a little bit different this week. Um, Kirsten had to uh, take care of some business, so he is out this week. Uh, but we are just going to roll right along. Don't worry, it's not going to be just me solo, so I uh, won't torture you guys with that. But have a very exciting uh, returning guest, uh, my good friend Trevor Johnson. Very excited to have this conversation. Uh, we're going to be on some topics about religion. Uh, if you do have any kind of triggers with like religious trauma or anything like that, um, maybe sit this one out or just, you know, proceed with caution. But here we go. My conversation with Trevor Johnson. Health Monday. Well, technically not live, unless you're a time traveler. Anyways, guys, I'm gonna take out that awkward pause. You won't even know what happened. All right, we got a. I already know. <laughs> uh, very special guest, returning guest, um, with us or with me, just me tonight. Um, Trevor Johnson, what's up, buddy? Just another day in paradise. Good old day. Another day in Alabama how life goes in this bitch of an earth yeah that's right so how you been not not that you know we haven't spoken within the past uh 24 hours but well um i'm getting over being sick for like six weeks and yeah. that's thrown off my ability to eat and sleep regularly so um i went to work this morning on two and a half hours of sleep that nice. was that was really cool so I had a monster, but because my diet's off, that threw my heart off, and I couldn't hold my hand still to work on the computers and the chips that I needed to install. So that was also cool. But I ate um, a fat-ass meal from Waffle House, and that nice. was even cooler. The awful waffle. We love you a good waffle. Do something. Do it right. What what was your what was your uh, weapon of choice at the Waffle House? Steak and eggs, eggs over easy, cut up over my hash browns. Nice steak, medium, salt and pepper. Right on. I like um, I I used to do over over easy. I've been doing over medium lately on the eggs. I don't know. It's just like a it's like a little surprise. I generally alternate between. Sunny side up and scrambled, but I decided to mix it up today. Nice. Yeah, my my wife always does scramble with cheese, but she doesn't really like eggs. She just was, um, her grandma would always make some eggs and a pound of bacon, and she would tell her, you can have as much bacon as you want, you just have to finish your eggs first. So now she believes that she has to eat eggs every time. I told her, you don't have to have eggs if you don't want eggs, but I, it's like one of those, you know, like it's a rite of passage to eat her bacon. She must eat her eggs, which I, you know, makes sense, I guess. See, whenever I was coming up um, with my grandmother, we would cook the bacon and then use the bacon grease to cook the eggs. Yes. And like, I just have that bacon grease egg association already locked in so tight that I, I'm on Team Katrina here. Like sometimes you just gotta lock in those rituals. Yeah, absolutely. We we do that at the house lately. Though when we've been making bacon, we do it in the oven, um, just because it gets a nice even cook, and I don't have to worry about splattering my arms, legs, and face with with bacon grease. That's understandable. Yeah, but enough about breakfast food. Um, I, I think we could talk about breakfast food for like an hour, but, um, I, I, I don't think people came to hear that. So, um, today we are talking about something, um, not controversial at all. Uh, <laughs> I know we, uh, we talked about it a little bit the first time you were on the podcast, like we kind of touched on God a little bit, but it was more so in like a, 
like a God sense, you know, it wasn't like about religion, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, more, more so, uh, deconstructing religion and the effect on mental health. Um, I, and I think it's important to make that distinction because I don't want it to seem like we are a, <laughs> like religion podcast or like a political podcast, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll have the conversation. It'd be fun. But, uh, so Trevor, tell us a little bit about, um, I guess like your, your religious background. I know you, you grew up in Alabama, so I'm sure that, you know, church was like pretty much a, like a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, my grandfather was a pastor and moved around, um, a lot, it's very, very deep in my dad's side of the family and my mother's side of the family a little bit as well. But my mother's side of the family was very, very young as far as generation to generation going to church. Um, actually, um, just how far back um, I can trace on my dad's family is really cool um, because both sets of my families had to move around a lot for work. And when my mom was born, my grandparents had just moved to Yazoo City, Mississippi. Yes, is there's a town called Yazoo City, Mississippi. Um, and they didn't know anybody in town. So they left my mom's older brother with the pastor's family. And they didn't figure out until um, the time my parents got married that the pastor of the church is my great grandfather. So my dad's grandfather kept my mom while my mom's brother, while my mom was being born. Um, but like I have libraries worth of old books that I grew up around and um, business meetings in Baptist churches Um very, very much a Southern Baptist background on both sides of my family. Um, but I have spent a good bit of time with different charismatic groups. Um, I know a decent bit about Catholic tradition, not a whole lot, just enough to really scrape by. Um, I know a bit about um, Methodists, Presbyterians, um, you name it. I picked up a lot. Um, I've been to different synagogues. I've been to a mosque a time or two. Um, and I've been able to see a lot of different religious backgrounds. Um, and I've seen a lot of the help that um, being invested in those religious communities can have. But I've also seen a lot of the hurt um, that comes with that. Um, and this afternoon, I feel like it's going to be beneficial if we talk about a little bit of both. Um, yeah. But as far as touching on what deconstruction is, before we go any farther, um, as far as defining our terms, um, traditionally, deconstruction means taking something that you've seen and breaking it down and seeing what it's made of, um, which is a very fancy way of saying what's in front of me and why is it there? Mm -hmm. So with that, um, it's something that's used a lot as a buzzword, um, especially in evangelical circles for people to say that they're leaving the church. But um, really it's something that's affirmed over and over again um, in Christian scriptures. Um, Hebrews 12, 27 is a good example yet once more indicates removal of things that are shaken, that is things that have been made or the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Um, it's just this statement of once you take out all the excess junk, what are you left with? What is this thing for what it is in and of itself? Yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, there are a lot of things in our traditions and in our upbringing, which are not necessarily rooted in good things or even necessarily true things, but because it's become so rote, we do it so often. It has become so second nature to us that we just don't question it anymore. Right. 
So um, religious deconstruction is taking all these beliefs that you've looked at your entire life and looking at them for what they are, where they come from, and what they're accomplishing. It's almost like, um, to put it on like a simple level, like if you're walking through the grocery store and you have, I don't know, chicken noodle soup on your, uh, on your shopping list, there's going to be like six or seven different chicken noodle soups. Some of them are going to have good things. Uh, some of them are going to have garbage in it and a lot of sodium that your body doesn't need necessarily. You're still going to get the basic bowl of chicken noodle soup. It's going to taste like pretty much any other bowl of chicken noodle soup that you've ever had from the store at least. But when you like actually flip it around and look at the nutrition facts, you start to see, oh, well, this has, you know, you know, uh, 750 or, or I don't know, like 120% of my daily value of sodium. I, I don't need that, you know, but it also has vitamin B and vitamin D in it. So like, that's pretty good for me. Um, and, and then maybe you'll find one where it's like, oh, well, you know, this one is like, mostly positive and then there's the one that's like the most accessible but obviously it's like riddled with just total garbage that your body doesn't need <laughs> so mm -hmm. i feel like attributing that to like that's kind of how i feel like a lot of religion is like there are many choices out there especially like let's say with christianity you know like you said methodist presbyterian baptist and from the outside, they all are, are pretty much the same. You're going to go into this church. They are going to either play music or sing hymns. And then a guy's going to get up um, on the podium. He's going to talk about God. He's going to read from the Word. It's going to be a little bit different what comes out of each church. But at the like the very base level, you know, you think like, oh, well, it's just Christianity. But when you like, you know, like you said, start to dig deeper into it and think about, okay, why do we sing? Why do we sing this hymn? Why are we focused on the book of Luke this week? Then you start to get into like the kind of meat of it um, into really understanding like, you know, how things kind of run and what, what each thing um, provides you as a, as a churchgoer. Yeah. Um, my example that I always like to fall back on is, um, there's something rattling in my car and I don't know what's causing it. Um, yeah. but, um, at the end of the day, whatever that thing is in your soup, that's not good for you or whatever that thing is in your car. Once you take apart those pieces, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, right. in most cases, unless that's the right decision for you. Sometimes you need to step away from a lot of bad beliefs, but being able to identify the reason why and what to do to have better beliefs, um, you have to first make the steps of examining those beliefs. Um, and so with that, um, I always try to start from the point of why do we believe what we believe? And a lot of the ways in which we form our beliefs are not things that are inherently obvious at first. Um, sometimes you have to um, look a little bit past the surface. And the best example I have for this is one of the last times I went to church. Um, it was a Wednesday evening and the text we were going over was talking about um, God being a good father. And there was a guy who was a regular who we all knew very well, who was always a very reasonable, respectful, like very quiet person. And he just exploded out of nowhere um, and was just very upset that um, we were talking about God in this way. And that, you know, a lot of the things that God does are for a certain reason and that um, it was just all over the place. And it was a whole lot of not exactly making sense. But as we sat there and like talked back and forth, it started coming out that his relationship with his father was not good. So um, as soon as he heard God is a good father, instantly all he could do is project what his father was to him yeah. on this is what um, 
God is to everyone else. And he couldn't reconcile those two things. And that's very much a barricade that is not something that like you can just walk back from. That's something that like you have to sit with and work through and like separate from, okay, this is what the text is saying and this is how it's saying it. This is what should be seen. But because you're only seeing this word, this is the block that's in place. Um, and there's a lot of things like that because we really don't understand who we are outside of our own context. Yeah. Um, there's a million different ways to say a million different things and no two people speak the same language. Everyone communicates things slightly differently. And with all that nuance, there's no way for us to really see eye to eye on a lot of things um, without first having those hard conversations. So with that, um, the big question becomes, how do you learn to separate? This is what is trying to be conveyed to me. And this is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I think that example was good where, you know, you talked about like bringing your own like life context and, um, experience into a situation where um, it, it doesn't really relate to that situation, but it's almost like, you know, to not like read too much into scripture, obviously, you know, like if you believe that sort of thing, like, you know, God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're made in his, Im we're all made in his image. And somebody could take that and say, okay, well, you know, let's, say, I don't know, uh, you look at like Ryan Reynolds and you're like, Ryan Reynolds is a beautiful man and he's very successful. He's in all these movies. He's got a lot of money. He's got a beautiful wife and he was made in God's image. Now me, um, not me personally, but me as the hypothetical person in the situation, you know, it's like, I just live in, I don't know, Fort Wayne, Indiana um, I work at Starbucks, I make minimum wage, I can't hardly afford my apartment, uh, my girlfriend left me, my dog pees on the floor every day, I don't know. But basically using that like um, dichotomy of saying like, oh, well, if we're all made in God's image, then like, why is this person so much more well off than I am? You know, it's like, the whole, the whole like meme of like, oh, you know, God really does have favorites. And then you kind of like put your own experience into that. It's like, well, you know, God clearly has favoritism because, you know, this person has a better life through my, at least through my eyes than, than I think that I do. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that is one of the biggest challenges, like historically for people to come to terms with is, um, it's it's called the Epicurean Riddle, um, and it was written by David Hume, um, who's one of my least favorite philosophers. Um, and it goes something along the lines of if God is um, all powerful, but not all knowing, um, then he can't truly be all powerful. If God is all knowing, um, but not all powerful, then he's impotent. Um and if God is both, then where does evil come from? And if he's neither, then why worship him? Um, which is not exactly how it goes, but that's more or less along the lines of um, how it goes. And it's one of the biggest like problems that um, people seem to face over the course of their life is like coming to terms with where is God in everything, Um and there's a lot of people that project all sorts of different things onto that. Um, and um, one of the hardest um, things that I've ever read is a quote off of a wall in um, Mauthausen, um, which was one of the concentration camps um, in the Holocaust where somebody wrote on the wall, um, if there is a God, he will have to beg my forgiveness. Um, because on the one hand, we look at our day-to-day -day lives and think about all the hardships that we go through. But like for a lot of Jewish people, like there was a lot of 
like separation between the identity as God's chosen people and why are all these bad things happening to us if God loves us? Yeah. Um, and that's a major disconnect that happens in a lot of people's lives. Um, I remember being 17 years old and um, there was a small child who was very, very, very deathly ill. And they would bring um, like basically faith healers around and all these um, so-called prophets that had done all these miraculous things and like pray over this child. And it turned into a thing of month after month this happened and the child's parents are weeping every single time and overhearing them say, why doesn't God love me to let this happen to my child is such a humbling thing to happen, which in and of itself is another um, real crisis of faith that we go through as people is um, bad things happen regardless of who we are um, or how good we are. Um, And with that, how does that change our outlook when those things happen? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's like, that's like the big argument I hear a lot aside from like, you know, aside from someone literally saying like, oh, there's no scientific evidence of a God, which I mean is pretty much true, right? Um, you know, when you're talking about a faith-based religion, um, but the, the next biggest thing is like, you know, if God is real and God is all powerful, then, you know, why do why do we have hospitals specifically for children with cancer? That it's that big of a problem that we need an entire building fully staffed 24 hours a day because there are so many kids with, you know, with cancer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I get that. Like I, I, I seriously get that. Um, coming from like an outside standpoint of like, if you're not religious and also, um, as like somebody who is, you know, maybe struggling with their beliefs. Um, one thing I did, I did want to talk about is like with how, um, and then we'll kind of get into like the, the, cause I do want to talk about like the mental health side of like, um, the negatives and positives, but like the, the, the thing I thought about is like, let's say like over the pandemic, you know, there are people that, you know, were anti-mask or, you know, they thought COVID was fake or, you know, they would say, you know, I'm not getting a vaccine because, you know, I have God on my side. God's going to heal me. Um, I'll just pray and, and God will heal me. I won't get COVID because I'm going to pray every day. I won't get COVID. Um, and the, the bad part about that is like, let's say that person doesn't get COVID they're going to think, oh, well, I didn't get COVID because I prayed to God every day and God healed, God healed my body and, and gave my body a fighting chance against COVID, which, um, is not necessarily true. Right. So, but the argument I had, like the argument I had the other day, well, it wasn't an argument, it was a conversation that I had was like, you know, if God gives you free will, you know, God, God gives us free will, right? If you believe in God, that's what it says in the Bible. You have free will. This is why, you know, when you're about to sin, God doesn't come out of the clouds and say, hey, ho, 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 you better stop it, right? You know, that's why you don't hear literally the voice of God telling you, hey, um, don't graffiti on that wall. That That's bad, you know. Um, Maybe God just sh- thinks you have sick art. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You know, God was God doesn't come down and say, or uh, hey, maybe you shouldn't shoplift, right? Um, but actually, you should. Um, if you're thinking about shoplifting from like um, any big box corporation, uh, just do it. You know, the, the, it, it won't hurt them. But anyways, um, I'm going to be in the news tomorrow. You know, mental health podcaster advocates for for stealing. Um, Send but it anyway. into Carson's boss. <laughs> Yeah, Car- Carson's not here to uh, to level me out tonight, so I don't know. I might say some choice words tonight. Um, but anyways, what I was talking about is like, you know, if you have a disease, 
you can't like just say like, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get a prayer team together and we're going to pray about this and God's going to take away my disease. But if you go with the idea that God gives us free will, God also is giving you tools, right? Like you can go to the doctor, the doctor can give you medication, the doctor can, you know, give you a treatment plan for that disease. Um, it's not necessarily just going to go away because, because you prayed about it. Um, and I think that was like my biggest, one of my biggest points of contention with, um, with the church and the idea that prayer will solve anything. Um, because I think it gives people a false sense of hope. Um, like I, I remember when I was growing up and this, this was in middle school, uh, right before I, or while I was hitting puberty, basically, like I was, um, pretty sure, I think I was like five, five or five, six or something. I was like pretty, sh- I was a short king. Let's just put it that way. And, um, I went to the doctor one time and basically the, the doctor had me like, um, he's like, okay, I'm going to have you, t- uh, touch your toes or get as, uh, you know, touch it down as far as you can to your toes. But, um, he basically felt down my spine and he was like, um, he's like, okay, that's not normal. I was like, and I'm like, uh, 11 or 12 at the time. I'm like, Oh, awesome. (laughs) I'm 12 years old. And something about my body, about my spine is not normal. And so, uh, the doctor said, he's like, uh, he's like, you have a curvature in your spine. And, um, I'm a, I'm a stupid kid. So I'm like, well, what does that mean? So he's like, well, you know, obviously your spine is supposed to be straight. Um, and you have all kinds of nerves in your spine that um, work together to make your body work, and also to make sure that like you can, you know, move around without being in immense pain, right? So he's like, you have a curvature in your spine at like the, I don't know what vertebrae he called it, but I actually still have in that area where I had the curvature, I still get like pain every once in a while, like once a year or something, just random. But um. Had a curvature in my spine, so basically I was um, diagnosed with uh, like scoliosis, or um, he, he didn't really say it was scoliosis, but it was kind of like implied. So um, I would have pe- like crazy pain with us, right? Mm-hmm. Where I would just be going through about my normal day, and then I would just get like just really sharp pain in my back, and I would have to like basically like lay down or in like a certain way to get it to like alleviate just a little bit. Um, and it wasn't like an all day pain. It was just kind of like on and off, but it was always just like a terrible pain. And then like, you know, I started growing up and getting taller and, uh, I went to the doctor a couple years later when I say ninth grade or something. Um, <clears throat> and the doctor, he's like, all right, you know, we're going to, uh, he's like, I see here in your chart, you had a, you know, you have a curvature in your spine. We want to check that out, right? Make sure it's not gotten worse. Um, and I really hadn't had like any pain with it um, from like a few months up until my doctor's appointment. And so, and obviously this whole time, like, you know, I, I grew up in a religious family. And so, you know, my dad's like, you know, we're, we're going to pray about it. Like, we're going to pray that, you know, God heals you and all this kind of stuff. God bless my dad, obviously, RIP. Um, but I go to the doctor, like ninth grade, and I do the thing, you know, touch my toes, and he's like, huh. I'm like, what? And he's like, well, um, it, it seems like it's it's gotten better. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it's like almost completely straightened out now. I was like, whoa, that's wild. And so... Um, the following weekend we go to church and, um, my dad goes up to our pastor at the time. Um, <laughs> and this was the pastor that I talked about in, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, that had an affair with the secretary of the church. But anyways, my dad goes up to the preacher and he's like, yeah, uh, he's like, we prayed really hard about, you know, Ben's thing with his spine. And he's like, and his spine straightened out, like this is a miracle from God. And I remember at the time thinking like, yeah, dude, like this is a miracle from God. But like realistically, I look back on it as an adult and I'm like, 
really, I just, I got taller <laughs> and like my spine just naturally straightened out because it had more room to actually stretch out. Um, so I think like at, at the time it was like, really for my dad, that prayer was like, just like, um, something that he used to like, you know, cope with this fact. And now that it was, had kind of had solved itself, you know, your obvious like next idea is going to be like, oh, well, God did this because I prayed about it and it happened. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I think like the more I get older and the more I think logically about things like that, um, that kind of disconnected me from the idea of like prayer as a whole and more of it just being like getting the words out, you know, like I can pray about something or I can talk to you or I can talk to the chat or I can talk to Karsten or I can talk to my wife um, and I'll feel just as good getting that information out and whatever I'm feeling, if it's about myself or um, about a family member or a loved one or a friend, you know, like I'm going to feel the same way just getting that idea out to somebody that is going to just listen to me. Yeah. And I do want to push back a little bit on the miracles thing um, later in the chat. Do it. But um, about prayer in general, a lot of that is um, for the good of the person listening. Um, yeah. And use the words um, a false sense of hope, which is something um, I really, really liked um, because there are a lot of people um, I, I'm sure you would believe it. Um, but my knee jerk reaction is to say you would not believe, um, how many people there are out there that are, um, planting people in congregations, um, to do, um, false healings. Yeah. Um, like I've watched somebody go into a service with a cane, um, and then hobble around all day and then get miraculously healed. And then he'd walk out with it to do it again the next night, the next place they were going. Yeah. Um, I have seen a woman with stomach cancer get um, punched in the gut. Um, and this woman actually had cancer, mind you, um, because um, somebody had um, put these fake little dollar store gemstones around the room and they said it was a sign from heaven. Um, like there's all sorts of people that are abusing um, people's, um, I wanted to say hopes and dreams, but a lot of times it's preying on the lowest of the low who don't feel like they have anywhere else. Yeah. Um, it, it's taking that last bastion and stripping that away from them. But on the other hand, like, even if you do not believe in the power of prayer, having something to hold on to is not inherently in and of itself a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, um, there are a lot of things that can be said um, and tests they've done just for people that have changed their perception and the way that they think about things. Um, your mindset can actually affect your well-being to a certain degree. Um, like the same body that can pump enough adrenaline to help a mother throw a car off of her child, like can also go into overdrive to help push out things that don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. um, which once again, not taking away from anyone's beliefs in this, but like, even if you don't have like those religious beliefs, there is still something to be said about hope in and of itself for being a helpful thing. Um, and um, talking with a friend earlier, talking about um, not knowing if things are ever going to improve, like just that defeated attitude, like mm -hmm. will suck so much out of you. Yeah, um, absolutely. I was talking to a friend this weekend about um, like getting super manic and just feeling everything all the time and just being super nervous and jittery. And the best way for me to get through that is to act natural. 
which absolutely does not make me more nervous and seem more jittery. But I yeah. still have to go through that because that's the easiest way that I found to get through it. Um, yeah. So with that being said, um, prayer in the context of community um, is an incredible thing. Um, we've seen it this week with um, the Bills player. Yeah. Um, people coming together whenever somebody gets hurt can do incredible things. I think it was at five and a half million dollars raised for his charity. Yeah. The last time I checked, like um, if you give people an opportunity to come together and do good things, they will um, to a certain extent. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, um, I know like uh, when my dad passed, uh, which it's been almost a year now, which is fucking crazy. Um you know, my mom was having trouble with bills and stuff, obviously, because, you know, we're going from my dad, who was really only getting uh, retirement and Social Security. He didn't have, like, income other than that. And then my mom was kind of in and out of work because of health issues. And so, you know, it, it, it was hard because, you know, she's like, I, like, my mom, like, I come from a long line of people who, um, hate asking for help <laughs> or at least my both my parents are are that way and my dad was that way and my mom's that way where I will have to like pry information out of her and say like hey like if you need me to bring you some meals this week because you just got out of the hospital like I have to say like let me know or I have to just do it because I know that she's not going to reach out and so she had to grapple with the idea of like, you know, making a, like a GoFundMe to cover some expenses until she was going to get, um, basically a, uh, she was getting a, I don't know if you would call it a, not a stipend, like a, um, basically getting a check from FEMA because he, uh, died from COVID related causes. Um, and also like waiting for like insurance, which dicked her over, um, and I think it ended up reaching the goal within like 24 hours. Um, and it, it was like just random people too. Like it was like, you know, people that, um, I worked with people, my brother worked with, um, family, friends, like, um, and yeah, I think like there, there is a validity to that of like people coming together to, um, not even just like financially support someone, but, putting like, God, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, putting good vibes <laughs> into, into something, into a situation basically. Um, and yeah, like you said, we saw it this week with, uh, with Damar Hamil Hamlin, I think was his name. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there, there is definitely a validity. I like what you said about, you know, hoping for something. And I, I think that's the one part of prayer that, like, I definitely can see, like, agreeing with. Because if you have a, like, if you're in a shitty situation, you know, you have two choices. Um, you can either wallow in it and say, um, well, you know, I've tried and it's not going to get better. So I'm just going to deal with it, you know. And that's not going to do wonders for you mentally. Shocker. Um, your other option is to say, you know, I'm going to talk to somebody and I'm going to work on this for the betterment of my health and for the betterment of my mental health. Um, and, and even with like health things, you know, um, physical health and mental health are like, you know, one in the same, you know, if one thing is bad, like the the other things coming next, <laughs> you know, like when I was sitting at home with a wrapped up wrist, like I wasn't having very many positive thoughts. Okay. <laughs> um, but then also, you know, like I've noticed periods of where I have, where my depression is like way overboard, like worse than it's been. Like I physically feel sick, you know, like you, you don't want to eat, you can't hardly sleep. And then when you can't sleep, that affects everything. So it's like, 
if you don't keep one thing in check, it's it kind of like affects everything else. Um, but yeah. So um, outside of that, um, another really big thing that I wanted to touch on was actually with um, depression, anxiety inside of religious circles. Um, so we've seen um, the big thing about you know, those are demons that are just out to get you and all this sort of thing. Um, and we've heard people spout all sorts of nonsense back and forth about all the different places that that comes from. But the most impactful for me personally was um, because I went to a small Baptist college, it was required for us to go to these um, chapel sessions every week in order to graduate. And one of the last ones I went to, I wanted to fight the person on stage because the first sentence out of his mouth, and I'll never forget this, was there's a lot of you that have come to us in need with a lot of very hurtful things. There's a lot of you that are coming to us talking about this awful depression and anxiety. And everything that you're telling us is should Knowing that you just don't trust God enough. And like, I knew, um, can we put a trigger warning um, at the top of this? Oh, yeah, um, I I can add to it. I already have a trigger warning for like religious trauma, but I, okay. I, can, I can edit in some stuff if you need to. Okay. I know for a fact that some of the people that were going for help were raped. Um, I know for a fact that some of the people that were going there were dealing with losing both parents, not knowing how they were going to finish college, not knowing how they were going to deal with the amount of debt from losing both parents. I knew for a fact that a lot of these people were being abused daily, um, in home situations Mm. and to sit up there and say that they didn't trust God enough was why they were sad Yeah, is so, so fucking out of touch. And unfortunately that's the big message that people are hearing from churches because a lot of people can't stand to see past the front of their own nose Mm -hmm. to see somebody else in front of them. Yeah. The other thing I hear a lot is like, Oh yeah. Like your, your suicidal thoughts and your, your depressive thoughts, like, that's Satan, like trying to get into your mind. Like <laughs> that, it, like that's honestly, that is just as not, I wouldn't say it's as fucking stupid as saying that you're not trusting God enough, but it's pretty close, <laughs> I think, because it's doing the same thing. It's dismissing um, a real issue um, and saying that because, I mean, it's basically saying it's your fault. You know, you're depressed, anxious, suicidal, and it's all your fault because you're just not working hard enough. You're not praying hard enough. You're not um, believing hard enough. And if if you believed harder and if you had more faith in God, then you wouldn't be depressed anymore, which is like the biggest crock of shit like I've ever heard. I mean, really. It's absolutely insane to me. Um but unfortunately that is the world we live in and that's not something that is just inside religious circles. Um, it's the same pull yourself up by your bootstraps argument you hear, um, all the time. Um, but with that being said, because you are dealing with belief that everything you do right and wrong hinges on you, constantly making the right decision, um, especially in evangelical circles. Everything you do constantly has to measure up, constantly has to be this or that. Living under that is like slowly hanging yourself over the course of your entire life. Um, And just living with that sort of guilt and shame is not reasonable for anyone. Um, So with that being said, a big part of being able to deconstruct your beliefs in terms of your suffering because you're doing wrong is being able to step back 
and examine um, that everybody's going through this. Everybody is suffering in their own way. Um, and none of us are capable of doing this life on our own. Um, being able to really step back and um, humble yourself in the fact that, you know, you don't have to deal with this on your own. Um, and that other people are experiencing what you are to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there was something I wanted to touch on before we, uh, before we kind of wrap up to our positives and everything. Um, so you released some music. Was, uh, was that this year or last year? It was last year. Last year. Um, do you feel like that, um, based on like your background with like religion, um, do you feel like that was kind of, uh, like a self therapy for that? Or was it more like, more like kind of, uh, you're writing things down, like just, just in general. It, it honestly depends. Um, and there's a lot of things that I've come to terms with over the course of my writing. Um, and because religion has played such a massive role over the course of my development and still to this day, um, a lot of that filters through. Um, but a lot of what I released last year was dealing with very specific circumstances in which um, people sort of detach themselves and hang on to um, all these different little things to just kind of busy themselves out of feeling pain and people absolutely do that in religion. I've done that in religion. Um, but, um, there are pieces that I have done in the past that were focused on that. And I am working explicitly on a religious trauma piece, possibly, um, to be released, maybe not. Um, but for me, um, what I make is, never so much about that as it is being able to have a conversation with somebody about a specific instance. Um, the only thing that I have that's out um, that touches on religious trauma was a song called a shattered mirror in a tattered home. Um, and that was the first third that was dealing with, of a piece that I wrote that was dealing with how I was feeling when my great grandfather was dying. Um, and I was having a lot of spiritual crises at the same time while I was um, taking care of him while he was dying. Um, but with that being said, um, the one thing that I would attribute the most to my religious trauma that I've ever written down was something I wrote on a sheet of notebook paper in 2015. Um, and it was partially directed at someone, but mostly um, it was directed to um, how I was feeling about God in that moment. And I wrote, I wish you would stop telling me you love me and love me. Um, and actually taking the time to write that down and realizing this is how I view my um, relationships with people I'm engaged in with religious conversation daily. This is how I feel about the people, a lot of the people who have been guiding me in my faith. This is how I feel mm -hmm. about God in relation to me really um, broke something in me. Um, and I've been trying to recover since then. Um, but I generally try to avoid um, talking about um, personal things in music because I don't want it to be something where I'm looking at myself in a specific instance. Um, I would yeah. rather just engage with an idea um, because ideas are less scary for me than yeah, having to confront my past or fears. Yeah, I um, we touched on that uh, the episode with uh, Joey Kaufman, uh, who's a part of a band in um, Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana, somewhere, um, about like, you know, writing music that is, is like attributed to a time in your life. 
Um, and I talked about a song that I wrote that was about um, kind of like when I was at one of the lower parts of my life. And after I kind of moved past that and my life started to kind of go more on the up and up, um, you know, I would go out to these shows and play my acoustic songs and I'd play that song and it was just like, one, I didn't feel like I connected with that anymore. Um, and two, it was like, to really feel like I am conveying the emotion in the song, I'm kind of like revisiting that time and revisiting those feelings, um, which I I think can be therapeutic sometimes, but when you don't really feel it, it's kind of like, it's not doing yourself any good. Um, you know, because I would rather move past that and, and put that in the past. Obviously, I've not played that song in, uh, I don't even know how long now, 10 years or so, nine years. But um, no, uh, I, I did want to uh, touch on what you said about um, stop telling me you love me and love me. Yes. Yes. No, I, I get that because I feel like a lot of, um, that that's how like some, I feel like uh, conversations with some people can be like from that are in a religious background because it's like, are you in, invested in me or are you invested in my, the mission of me? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. is this is this like a project for you or do you actually care about my well-being? Um and I, I've been on both sides where I've felt like, you know, I still have people in my life, like my youth pastor, who I still talk to regularly. And I know that he cares about me as a person beyond my relationship with God. Um, however, I have known people in my life who it just feels so like I'm like their charity case or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I know... Uh, it just like, I feel like you can tell, especially like when you've been around that group for so long, like you can kind of tell who's, who's being real and who's not being real. Um, because I think people take the whole go out and make disciples, uh, thing a little too seriously and it becomes a conquest for them. And instead of connecting to the person, you're connecting to their relationship with God. And if their relationship with God isn't succeeding, then you're like, Oh, well I, I'm not succeeding. So, you know, what? I'll just move on to the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, which excuse yeah. me, miss my eyes are up here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, I think, you know, we touched on positives, we touched on negatives. Um, I thought it was a good conversation, man. I appreciate you coming on. We are going to, move into our, um, last week we did two negatives and a positive. Before we wrap up, can I hit one last thing? Absolutely. So, um, one of the most profound things that I've ever heard, um, was from an interview with a, um, Hindus, Hinduism's version of like a priest or a rabbi, what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, and the interviewer's talking about all these um, like graven images of their gods and all this that they have um, in this stall. And he, the interviewer's trying to talk to him about like them buying these gods and all this sort of stuff or, or selling these images. Um, and he says, the kids don't understand this, but these are there to help them understand everything that we do is a finger pointing out there to what is real, to what is good, but people don't look at what we're pointing at. They look at our fingertips. So for me, it's being able to, the biggest thing about deconstruction is being able to get away from the fingertip and see what it's pointing towards. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I like that in like, I like that idea because um, I I really think like wh- what we touched on be- like to begin with that there are a lot of people that don't really understand like what deconstruction is. Like our initial idea 
of deconstruction, obviously, like what we, like what you said is like, oh yeah, I left the church, I'm deconstructing, you know, and it's like, well, you're not deconstructing anything though, you're just tearing the whole, you know, it's like setting up the Jenga tower and instead of, you know, doing one piece at a time, you just shove the whole thing over and, and you're done with it, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's, it's important not only if you're going through that to actually like try and deconstruct and, but also from the outside, you know, if you are a religious person and, you know, you are, you know, you have somebody in your life who is going through a deconstruction, you know, not having this like negative attitude towards them, um, and saying like, you know, why are you doubting? Why are you questioning? And look at what they are questioning and why they're questioning it. You know, if, if God is big as you want them to be, then they're big enough to handle your questions. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember you said that in the chat the other, uh, the other week. And I was like, yes, that's, (laughs) I, I think a lot of people, if they like, I think if a lot of people heard that and really like heard it and listened to that and took it to heart, then I, I think more people would question in, in a healthy way, you know? Um, and I think that we should be, um, no matter what, if you have a belief system, whether it's religious or political, you should constantly be questioning and it's not a bad thing to be questioning. Um, there are a lot of people that voted for Trump in 2020 or 2016 and then went through the past four to six years and now they have totally made a 180 because they started asking questions and it's the same thing on the other side there are a lot of people who probably started out 2020 as a democrat and voted for joe biden as a democrat and now you know they may be like way further left now you know because they started asking questions and started actually looking into like okay, why, like, I get it, you know, I have this belief system, but why, you know, instead of just blindly saying like, oh, you know, check this box, check that box, and um, that box we'll just throw into the Ohio River. Um, And it's something good to do in friendships and um, relationships as well. It's absolutely me identifying, am I actually being honest with how I feel, or am I saying this because I think it's what you want to hear? Am I yeah. actually um, letting you know the ways in which I care and showing it, or am I letting something get in the way? Um, being able to yeah. pick apart all those things are very important in any aspect of life. I would argue. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, I think I'm going to title this episode "Deconstructing Life." Yeah, yeah. We 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 just deconstructed life, man. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's super important, um, and I think that when you're when you're with somebody, like if you're talking about a relationship or a friendship, if you if that person's a true friend or that person really cares about you, they're not gonna you know be like they're not gonna get angry when you start asking questions, you know, because they're gonna see that you're doing it for the betterment of the of the relationship, um, and I know I've found myself doing that sometimes where, you know. Um, you get the, you know, I'm upset about something and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> it's like it, just kind of letting it, letting it bug you instead of having the conversation. But, um, yeah. All right, man. I, uh, we're going to wrap up here. I think this week I want to do. What about one... something that we can hold ourselves accountable to, to better our mental health? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's do it. What's your. What's your big thing for 2023 that you're going to hold yourself accountable for? There's a lot of people that I need to reach out to and reconcile with from different points in my life. And I need to start having a lot of very hard conversations with a lot of people in my family Mm -hmm. and close friends um, to be able to be honest about where I've been and how I've let things interfere with relationships in the past so that I can be a better um, friend and family member moving forward. And also letting them do that for me um, in the places where I've been hiding things. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I just need to be more proactive in life in general. Um, I have spent the past four months just kind of coasting by, 
Um, and I keep telling myself in my head that I'm going to make these adjustments, you know, whether it's to my diet or exercise or whether it's to my work, um, whether it's to friendships, relationships. Um, I think that there have been a lot of times where I've dropped the ball. Um, and I think 2023 for me is going to be the year where, um, I'm going to do whatever I can to just be my best self, but also learn to give myself grace if I falter, um, along the way, because I think faltering and failing here and there is, is normal. It's just what you do to adjust to that failure. Um, whether you learn from it or whether you, um, whether you just decide, oh, well, you know, what's the point now? If I'm, you know, if I'm going to fail on the way, what's the point? Um, but failure is completely normal, even though it's like one of my worst fears. Uh, so I think that's another thing is just coming to, uh, to terms with failure and conflict are going to happen in my life. And those are two things I hate, but, um, I think the more that I grapple with that and understand that um, everyone goes through it and um, it doesn't make me a bad person or less of a person to fail sometimes, Um, you know, or, you know, if I decide I'm going to go to the gym four times a week, one week I only go three times, it would be stupid of me to say, oh, well, now... I'm not going to do it anymore because I tripped up at this point. You know, it's more so, hey, um, next week I'll go five times or or maybe I'll get back to my normal four times. Um, And always remember, it's my job as my as your friend to be mean to you. It's also my job as your friend to keep you from being mean to you because that's my job. Exactly. I, I will I will roast everyone in the chat. But when you start roasting yourself. I'm going to have an issue with that. <laughs> All right. Rapid fire. We're going to do one negative, one positive. doesn't have to be today. It can be this week, this month. Um, for me, my negative is Skyline fucked up our order for the third time. Um, my relationship with the local Skyline is is dwindling. I'm losing hope. Um I just don't want to drive the extra five minutes to the other location. So hopefully they don't fuck it up next time. Anyways, my positive is uh, we are getting our Ikea cabinets on Saturday to redo our kitchen. And also our record cabinet is will probably be done in like a week. So uh, some exciting little home projects. Are, are on the way. Very sick. What about you? My negative is I've lost a lot of money and I still have a lot of very big expenses coming up. So um, I've gone without a paycheck for six weeks now and I still have another three weeks to hold out. Um, so I am suffering right now, um, but I will survive. Um, and then the survival is also part of the negative. Um, but then on the positive side of things, um, I've got a lot of people who I've not been able to see in person in a very long time that I'm making arrangements to go fly and see. And it means the absolute world to me. Um, so I'm really looking forward to those trips. Yeah. Um, I will say I, um, taking a random, not so random, but also last minute flight to see the Minnesota gang last year was like one of the best weekends of my year. So yeah, I'm excited for you. Mm -hmm. Anyways, y'all, um, Trevor, I appreciate you. I love you. I always love our conversations. Um, we'll have to have you back on the podcast for like, I don't know. We just need to like bullshit. I feel like, um, I feel like every time we have you on, it's like so, so deep and so serious, but I love the deep, serious conversations, but we, it's we so deep just... because I'm so full of shit. <laughs> exactly. I think we all are a little bit full of shit. Um, but this week is just two people full of shit rather than three people full of shit. So a little less shit than normal. 
Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, hopefully Carson will be back next week to, to come hang, do another cool episode. Um, but yeah, me and Trevor just, just deconstructed life and I hope you enjoyed it. I know we enjoyed it. So we will see you next week. Be good to each other and don't punish yourself like Kevin McCarthy. Good night. Ligma balls. <laughs>